Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on Clam Festival Weekend. Big thing in the Yarmouth community, obviously. Uh, I'm taking some time off. We're taping today. Uh, but Clam Festival Weekend, you know, great weekend in the Yarmouth community. A uh, lot of nonprofit uh, make a lot of their budget for the year. So uh, if you get an opportunity, first off, come enjoy the Clan Festival. Second, come to Yarmouth. We just got a huge tractor trailer load, a brand new product. Everything from echinacea to hosta to, oh my gosh, hibiscus and hydrangeas. Oh my word ton of hydrangeas and we're going to be talking with Ray DeFeo from Pride's Corner Farm today uh, which a lot of this material came in from uh, about some of the new hydrangeas some of the new dwarf varieties we're also going to be talking to him today about American beauties and planting for pollinators Uh, you know pollinators have been in the in the news meaning bees in particular a lot lately And I wanted to kind of bring to people's attention the fact of loss of habitat has a huge part in this pollinator collapse or whatever you want to call it. There is not as much natural forage and as many natural hives around as there used to be also. So we're going to talk with Ray DeFeo um, from American Beauties in Pride's Corner Farm about how we can plant for pollinators how we can add a few of those into our garden, things that will help keep bees around a little bit more. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I also want to talk about Scarborough Store. Scarborough Store is closing. We're at 40% off now, and it has been a madhouse. If you've been into the store and you've done some shopping, I don't want you to get discouraged because I just shipped 1,500 more plants into the store Four truckloads of annuals, hanging baskets, patio pots, annuals, perennials, trees, shrubs. A whole new selection has just arrived from Kennebunk and Yarmouth. But, so, we're not just going to let the store fizzle down to nothing. We still have plenty of product. There's stuff that we're sending in that are spring bloomers that maybe are passe. And so we're adding in lilacs and forsythia and, you know, all things that... We usually sell early in the season. If you didn't notice, we didn't have much of an April. It was a really, really, you know, poor April this year. And so we have a little bit of abundance on a few items. So we're shipping some of that stuff to Scarborough to special it out. So if you're a Kennebunk customer or a Yarmouth customer, you may want to take a trip. See what type of bargains you, you, you might get. You also get a coupon for 30% off any one item at the other two stores. So when you make a purchase in Scarborough, you get a coupon, okay? So we're giving you all kinds of reasons to visit us. The other thing is, I talked about the fresh material in Yarmouth. Same type of fresh material has arrived in Kennebunk. So we're starting to bring in our late summer, fall items, you know, those late, beautiful, you know, black-eyed Susans, echinaceas, you know, Joe Pie weed, uh, you know, all those summer flowering Daylilies, man, are the daylilies just amazing right now. All in the landscape, in the garden center, no difference. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, You know, beautiful new varieties, new colors every day. They're opening up. Just stunning. I can't say enough about it. Can you tell I'm excited? I love this time of year. We've been through some hot weather. Nice and cool this weekend. You know, a little instability, but good gardening weather. 
good clam festival weather. So I'm enjoying with family and friends this weekend. You know, we always have a big, big get-together after the parade at my house. Uh, Family and friends come by. It's kind of an open house atmosphere. You know, come before, come after, come early, come often. doesn't really matter. We just have the grill going. You know, I've done a bunch of of plants in the gardens to kind of spiff things up, you know, re-edged, you know, cleaned up around the trees. The yard's looking great, you know. Just a few minor things, you know, I've been playing on the tractor, but I've been having fun. I mean, this is the time of year when I get to garden, and I'm excited about talking about summer gardening, okay? Because it's wide open right now. And with the fresh stock, you know, all of our suppliers now, the 2015 plants are becoming available. So, you know, some new varieties are starting to show up. We're starting to buy in stuff for fall, you know, freshening up. So it's exciting, exciting time. So again, Ray DeFeo from Pride's Corner Farm is going to be uh, here. We're going to talk about American beauties, planting for pollinators. We're going to also talk about some new plants for 2015. You know, it's time to start kind of drumming up some of that because some of those items are starting to become available. You know, they were planted this spring. They've rooted out. They're starting to bloom this fall. We'll start carrying some of the 2015 plants as they come available. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And last but not least, I've always got some bad news. I believe last week I talked a little bit about tomato and potato blight. I'm pretty sure I did. Well, it's getting worse, folks, okay? I just got a report that they're having a lot of trouble down in Amish country, down in Pennsylvania. That is like a key sign With these big storms that have come up the East Coast, this is going to be one of those years for blight. I'm going to call it. I'd rather you start protecting your plants now and ward off if blight comes through than wait until you have blight and there's nothing you can do about it. So I've started spraying my tomato plants. Um, Obviously, this week we've had some real heavy thunderstorms, you know, some torrential downpours. Now that the sun's back out, I want you to come in, buy some copper sulfate, maybe some mancozeb or funganil, any one of those three, depending on your comfort level, what you want to use, has to be used before you have a problem. You can't wait on this disease until you have a problem. I can't stress that enough. I'm going to say that again. I'm not trying to scare people. I'm trying to really inform you. Blight has got to be a pre-application. You can't wait until you have blight and then actually go ahead and spray for it. You have to ward off the spore before it lands on the plant. Once it's on the plant, that's it. It's over. You're not going to stop it. You're not going to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You might as well rip the plants out and say, I'm going to the grocery store to buy tomatoes or I'm going to go to my local farm. Hopefully, the local farms don't get, you know, terribly hit by this now potatoes they've shown up on potatoes i have not heard anything on tomatoes yet but if it's in a potato field and this is a windborne spore and spread by storms we've had that so it's starting to move around it's in the state large outbreak down in amish country so you know it's it's in the it's in the atmosphere you know, and obviously the jet stream's been coming right up from Pennsylvania, Connecticut, 
you know, boom, right up through. So I suspect over the next few weeks we're going to see more and more and more problems. Okay, I got that off my chest. I'm all right now. Now let's talk about impatient downy mildew. Haven't heard of a bit yet. I'm excited about this. I'm happy about this. We have one of our best plants still available. I've been looking. I've been looking and looking and looking in people's yards when I drive around neighborhoods and stuff, looking at, you know, see if there's any signs that have shown up. I really haven't seen anything. So here we are. You know, we're pushing, you know, late July and still no problems. So we'll kind of keep checking in, talking about it periodically. But again, same type of thing. No major problems. So, you know, it's very, very nice that we've got some cool weather for summer planting, okay? And I'm continuing to plant. Here's some of my things that are on my hit list. And I'm not quite sure, you know, so which varieties I want to plant. But Stuarty is high on the list. I keep walking by those nice ones in the garden center. I keep going, geez, I really should get, I should take one of those homes. You know, just bring it home, plant it. Don't. Don't think too much. Just do it. But I haven't. So maybe this weekend I make I pull the trigger. The other thing, I had a weeping beech I was really excited about. I was looking at it and, gosh, I went and sold it. Now I'm kind of regretting it. So I might have to order myself a new one of those. This is another type of thing. Now the trees, all the next year's crop, that's next year's crop of beech already. So I just ordered some, I ordered three nice, upright um, River's Eye Beach for a customer just the other day. So we're starting to order for customers for summer, fall planting now. But that Weeping Beach, ah, I really, really liked it. I guess I'm going to have to order myself another one. And then the perennials. You know, in my yard, the perennials are really starting to look great. My perennial hibiscus are stunning. They're three feet tall. They're budding up. No color yet. But that dark foliage just looks wonderful. All the other plants that I've put in, this past week has been tough on them. You know, the annuals, the perennials, the trees and shrubs I've planted. I wasn't as diligent about water as I should have been. I got caught off guard. I thought there was enough rain that we had had. And that was not the case. I came home one afternoon. A lot of the annuals were wilted pretty hard. Luckily, I caught them at lunchtime. Right in the middle of the day, 1.30, I was able to get some water on them before they went too far. But, you know, we've had some 90-degree temperatures. You may look at your hanging baskets, your patio pots, some of these things that are really struggling right now. Two tips I want to give you. If it's a hanging basket, you may consider pruning it back at this time taking out of the pot and planting it in a bigger pot. If you don't want to do that, it's tough to sustain the growth at a certain point. It really is hard. It really is hard. But what I will say is that you can rebound that plant, either plant it in the ground or put it in a nice big container, and it'll be beautiful all fall. If you have a big patio pot, you know, what I call patio pot is a nice terracotta pot that you bought from us. You set it on the step. It's kind of looking a little ragged. In that case, same situation. You can plant it in a bigger pot or put it in the ground, come in, get something fresh. You know, but fertilizer is key on all of these things. To get them to reflush, to get them to rebloom, to look wonderful. Think about going ahead 
and adding some fertilizer to every time you water, okay? Some of that blue goo, like we've talked about, is crucial right now to rebound plants. We've been fertilizing very aggressively, and so our annuals are looking really good. We've cut a lot of plants back, so they're flushing out and looking beautiful again. So we don't have just all this ragged stuff. It's looking really good in the garden center. And last but not least, it's still, you still have plenty of time, okay? Now's the time to start planting and planning for fall. I'm going to talk with a customer after I'm done the radio show today. I'm going to be going to their house and talking to them about what they can do to spruce things up. This is a tough time of year. It's time of year when, you know, some of the perennials start petering out. Some of the things don't look so good. I talk to them about what they need to prune back, what they need to clean up how they can add some more color for summer, fall, create a new bed, do a little screening of that neighbor's ugly pile next door of whatever it is. So I'm going to kind of work with this customer to kind of help entice their yard a little bit better for late summer and fall. They've always been traditionally a shopper who really is very active in the spring months, but never really actively in the summer fall so they have a lot of spring blooming plants in their gardens i've been there before are just stunning in the spring but not a lot later in the season so we're going to see if we can help them out today so a whole host of things we're going to be talking with ray defeo for the rest of the show about american beauties and planting for pollinators some new plants maybe some of those dwarf hydrangeas that just came in we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on news talk wlob Are you an organic gardener? Finally, there's a fast-working and effective all-organic insect control available from Bonide. Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is the answer to all your garden insect problems. Captain Jack's works two ways. On contact and when the insect feeds. This will ensure that your insect problems are over. Captain Jack's controls all types of insects, including caterpillars, beetles, spider mites, boars, and more. Use it on vegetables, flowers, berries, trees, shrubs, and fruit. Captain Jack's all-organic insect control is available in easy-to-use dust, liquid concentrate, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray containers with built-in spray applicator. Pick up some Bonite Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew today at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or bonide.com. Arr. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Clearance sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen at the end of the growing season. But how about one in the middle of it? Estabrooks and Scarborough is closing for the season on Sunday, July 27th, and all in-stock items are now 40% off. With tons of plants at the height of their summer beauty, it's a great time to score a great deal. To learn more, visit Estabrooks and Scarborough or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. 
Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Another glorious, glorious weekend. You know, a lot of thunderstorms, showers this week. But now we've got great gardening weather, obviously, for the weekend. Also, Yarmouth Clam Festival. Can't complain about that. I'm taking some time off. But today we're talking with Ray DeFeo from uh, Pride's Corner Farm. We're talking American beauties today, aren't we, Ray? There are, Tom. Yeah, I, I mean, this has been a hot topic in in kind of the media for a number of weeks is bee collapse and all this other stuff. And I really don't want to get into all the details on that because I think it's kind of been beaten around for a, a, a few weeks now. And there's a lot of kind of here or there information. You You can line up on either side, but the one thing that I keep coming back to is habitat loss really is a big factor in my opinion it has been and it's been going on for quite a while um and each homeowner can realize that any little part they do will help the bees and the butterflies and all the native pollinators so it's not like you have to worry about having you know a large space to do work in that's going to make any difference every plant that's out there is going to help the the bees and butterflies whether it's providing food source or uh, places to, to stay, you know, habitat form. Mm-hmm. So any of that kind of work that each homeowner can work on will help. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing is, you know, what people have to understand with, with bee collapse, a large portion of this is beekeeping type, you know, problems. And how do we bolster the native bee population is is partly what I'm talking about is, giving them those homes, giving those areas, giving those food so they stick around. That's the case. You know, bee collapse definitely is more on the, the beekeeper, which is we do need also because, mm, absolutely. you know, they take care of, you know, majority of our crops that, you know, people rely on for in the grocery store and on their table. Mm-hmm. But, yes, the native population is also one that we can concern ourselves with, and, and that's where a native plant will help because it provides the the food and the shelter for the native pollinators that they are used to finding. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, in hybridizing plants, sometimes for more color, bigger flower, you're losing nectar and pollen. And that's where the native plants selection comes in, with, and that's what they provide, as well as having good color and good form for the, the home gardener. And, and natives typically self-sow, they spread, they, you know, but not all are invasive by any means. I mean, uh, for the most part, a lot of natives are not invasive at all. For the most part, there are a few in there, yeah. but it, again, in the home situation, it's easy to control even if they do start spreading a little bit. And they are easier to care for in the long run because not only are they good for the native pollinators, they're good for the native conditions that you have in your yard. So they're going to survive better with Minimal care. All plants need some care, mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. minimal care, and they'll they'll do well for you, and they'll keep performing year after year. Yeah, it, the the native plants, you know, more often than not, it seems like customers have problems killing them with kindness. <laughs> Meaning, we add so much compost to our soil, we add so much fertilizer. You know, these are not these are plant prairie plants in a lot of cases. They're plants that don't want a lot of attention. Water's always key, though, right? Water's key, and but again, it yeah, putting the right plant in the right place. 
If you have a wet spot, there's plants that can handle that. If mm-hmm. you have a sandy or gravelly soil, there's plants that can handle that. It's not like you have to do a lot of amending to the soil for these plants to survive. It's just picking the right plants for the conditions you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like we've we've trained our customers really well to add a lot of organic matter and other fertilizers and, and whatnot. And natives, you know, they're just resilient. That's the fact of the matter. They're resilient plants. They've been around a long time. Like you said, they're not hybridized in a lot of cases, although there are hybrids, correct? It. In our series, they're not as many crosses, but they're selections. So it will be different variety, newer varieties that have come from a selection that, again, some of the native species may not be as colorful or as many blooms or as compact. Some mm-hmm. may be pretty scraggly. So for the homeowner, if they want a little neater look, you know, we've made some selections of varieties that are maybe a little more compact, heavier blooming number of blooms it's same size flower so it's different characteristics like that that are just good for the homeowner absolutely so let's talk a little bit about the history of american beauties because this is a line that you guys came up with correct we developed it with north creek nursery out of pennsylvania and it has grown nationwide Mm -hmm. Uh, what we're trying to do is get growers around the country to work with plant selections for their region for homeowners in their region. So again, that you know, people in the Northeast can have plants that will tolerate the conditions we have. And this past winter was key to that. It showed a lot of people that you you have to be careful what you put in your lawn mm-hmm. in your yards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we it has been developed and it's been built over time to so it's easier for the garden shopper to find what is native. Some people may know what's native, but finding it in the the mix that's out there in, in a garden center can be difficult at the time and confusing. Mm-hmm. So by creating the American Beauties brand, we've made it easier for the, the garden centers themselves to show what's native and for the garden center shopper to find what's native. And let's be clear, this is not native necessarily just to Maine. It's uh, the Northeast, so you know we need to be careful about that it's, a little bit. It's the Northeast, and again, I like to say plants don't know state lines. That's true. Neither they, do insects, neither do bees, neither, you know. <laughs> no. They know growing conditions. So even in Maine, there's, you know, there's native plants that won't survive in all conditions because mm-hmm. they need the proper conditions. Whether you're on a mountaintop or in a river valley, it's going to be totally different. So the plant, native plants to the northeast will, will tolerate what we have here in Maine. Not all of them. Some of them may not be hardy enough in the program, but you can select the hardy ones for, if you're in a colder region. Along the, the seashore here in Maine, you definitely can pretty much any selection in the American Beauties would survive. So let's talk about some of the plants, because that's what people really want to talk about. So <laughs> tell me tell me some of the plants that are in the line that, that are shining stars, I guess. Well, we have a, a number of them, and we have been trying to select ones now and, and let people know what are better for the different pollinators, for the bees and the butterflies. And there are some definite crosses you know, that work for both. Uh, the echinaceas are a line that work for both, and also bee bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like Eupatorium, we have Little Joe. Again, Eupatorium, Joe pieweed, can get very tall. Right. And it can be difficult, especially if you have a small yard. So Little Joe will, will work for you. It's a little more compact, but gives the same kind of flower for the the bees. And that's what we're talking about, is making selections that will will fit your yard. You know, that not everybody has a big yard. Not everybody has a lot of space. So, you know, similar plants to the native, but more compact, same flower type, 
nice pollen for all the bees and butterflies. So, yeah, you know, making those distinctions, you know, uh, makes a big difference. It does. And that's sort of what we tried to do. But, again, you get into the Rudbeckia, the the uh, coneflowers. We have the straight triloba, which can get a little bit larger. It's not as full of flower as some people might be used to with the regular Goldstrom mm-hmm. uh, variety, but it, it does work better. It has better uh, pollen production for the bees. Uh, the uh, the different phloxes, you have both the spring phlox, the mm-hmm. low ground phlox, and the summer phloxes are both native that work well. Yeah, I think I think the you know the ground flocks, you know the stoloniferas, for instance, are completely underused. You know, uh, and some of those summer summer flocks, you know, your tall flocks, some of the old fashioned varieties really, you know, yes, you might have a little more powdery mildew issue with them, you know, but they do create a much bigger flower. They have a lot more pollen, so adding some of those in some of your more native areas and letting them kind of do their things makes a big difference. And they do, and so if you you know, if you want to avoid some of the powdery mildew, make sure you're planting it in a well-drained soil and don't crowd it in as much in a in a garden situation, and you you'll be less susceptible. I mean, this, they still could get it, especially when you get you know a couple of weeks like <laughs> yeah. we've had, where you get a long stretch of heavy rain. The plants will get it. But Doesn't matter what variety you plant. No. Yeah. But they they will survive. They'll get through. They'll flower. Let's let's face it. One of my favorites in the line are, are those beautiful blue lupins. I mean, here in Maine, we've got beautiful stands along the highways now. They've done a great job, the state has, introducing those, letting them go to seed before they mow them. This is another plant you can introduce into a field that you have. You know, it's you don't necessarily just have to use them in your yard. You know, summer when we're doing some clearancing and stuff... It's a good time to maybe add some of those and let them naturalize also. So, you know, there's a, a, a lot of plants will seed in also, like blue lupin and, and others, right? Oh, you'll find them where you didn't plant them, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. But again, yeah, and along the roadway where you may not want to have to mow or, you know, some areas that are a little rockier where you don't have to try to maintain as much. That's what's great for using some of these plants. It it gives you a lawn is not great for bees. No, um, unless you have a whole lot of clover <laughs> in your lawn. That's right. <laughs> So again, taking up some of your lawn areas, especially the more difficult ones, you know, if you if it's well drained and it's dry and you're it's always dying out in the heat in the summer, turn it over to gardens. Right. And again, we can have plants that are blooming all season long. So you'll have one plants that bloom in spring, summer, and fall. So you can have color in that space and it's less headaches, less work once you get the plants established. So some of the nice Fall blooming, obviously black-eyed Susan type material, your Joe Pie weeds. Um, you know, I assume there's probably some other, uh, you know, taller plants. You know, uh, bigger. You know, uh, heleniums. The heleniums, yes. We great, just got some of those in. Great plant, uh, solidago, the goldenrod. It's not the invasive type or the real sneeze weed. It's, yep. the, it's the true goldenrod is one that's good. And one that's real tall, if you want, is the New York ironweed. Yeah, There's huge. a plant that'll get you about six or eight feet tall, late summer bloomer, and it, it stands out because there's not much else in color at that time. You know, and I think that's the thing that you also have to realize is that some of these native plants fit the time frames that our, our cultivated varieties don't always cover. That's right. Everybody thinks spring. Yeah, they, and 
summer and fall can be great times, and that's when you have more time. That's when it, it's cooler. It's nice to be out on the patio, uh, in the backyard, barbecues, things like that. So you might as well get the color there when you're going to be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And move the gardens around. Get them away from the house. Get them out along the back property line so you can enjoy it when you're out in the yard. And let's face it, anybody who works in our industry only has time in the summer and fall to garden anyways. That's about it. You, <laughs> you don't know what color's out there in the, in the spring because you leave in the dark and come home in the dark. Yeah, we see it in the garden center every day, so we're not too worried about the yard that early in the year. Yeah. And it's not just perennials. There's good shrubs and trees that work well also. Uh, there's summer blooming azaleas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and again, some of those can handle some wetter areas. Some of the native roses, uh, yep. also good. Again, easy to care for shrubs. You don't have to do a lot with them once you put them in. Um, and especially if you can give them a space to to spread a little bit. Yeah, it's not all about color, folks. You know, with natives, it's really giving structure for also, you know, nesting areas. And, you know, let's not forget about the birds. You know, a prime one, native blueberries. You can't, you, you can't <laughs> ask for better pollination. You know, you've got, you've got great flowers. You've got great fruit. You've got wonderful fall color. I mean, the, everybody should have blueberries in their yard, everyone. Even if you have the smallest yard, you can use some of these nice new dwarf varieties. You can, and there's plenty. There's a lot out there that are self-fruitful now, so you don't have to put a whole field of them in. You can have just a couple of plants. And if you can beat the birds to them, you might even be able to enjoy some yourself. Yeah, you know, you, you do need to protect them, obviously, from the birds, you know. But if you're just looking for bird attraction... Oh, they'll be there. You know, apple trees, you know, another one. The fruits are always a a great addition. Yes, you can have some mess with them, you know, but if you look at some of the crab apples that are, you know, persistent fruit, they stay on the tree, great bird attraction. So it's not just pollinators. It's complete wildlife management, correct? It is complete wildlife. It's, you know, not too many people like the squirrels, but the squirrels will be out there enjoying some of the fruits and flowers. Um I mean, I saw one this spring taking off the buds from my magnolia tree. <laughs> Darn little suckers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and last but not least, I mean, let's, let's face it. Um, natives just are a good way to kind of buffer yourself between your hybridized varieties and, you know, the native woodland. And it's all tree, shrubs, roses, perennials. You know, a, a portion of your landscape should be that intermediate type material it, it should and it's it doesn't have to be an all or nothing type of landscape either you can mix them in with the other ones you can give it a separate garden they'll work well with any other of the the other hybridized plants as well it mm. just gives options more options and it, it does make a a nicer landscape i believe yeah and 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 within natives it's not always about flowers you know there's a tremendous amount of foliage plants which protect erosion and, and, you know, give us those nice ferns. And, you know, so there's a portion to this whole hybridization that we lose texture a lot of times, too. The ornamental grasses are great for that. There you go. Uh, It's a great plant. You know, Shenandoah, which can give you the red color as the season progresses. Uh, And the the flower heads. I used to leave the seed heads on through the winter and... The small birds come in, and they love it, and then just cut them down in the spring when this new growth starts. So I think the general topic here, folks, is that we're trying to get you to understand that you can use some of these natives. Look for them in the garden center. They are easily identifiable, 
and talk to us because there are many choices that you can work into your landscape to bring in the bees, the birds, the animals, you know, all these things and kind of really bring in also edibles, you know, for you. So it's a combination of feeding ourselves and feeding our environment. It is. And the, the, the key to know when you're coming into the garden center is if you're looking for natives, what the conditions are in your yard. Because it's as long as we know what you have to work with, whether it's wet, dry, sun, shade, mm. we can find the plants that will work for you, which, again, makes it better because that becomes easier maintenance. If you try to force a plant into the condition it doesn't like, that's when it becomes a maintenance nightmare for yourself. Absolutely. And last but not least, National Wildlife Federation. This is teamed up with that, correct? We have been teaming with that, but we are also switching and trying to help with some of the pollinator groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm actually working with the Beekeeper Association in New Hampshire Mm -hmm. because they're trying to plant some gardens throughout the state uh, and teach people on how they can plant these gardens for the the, – the bees. So we're working with some different groups nice. to work with the uh, the native plants. Ray DeFeo, Pride's Corner Farm. Uh, we're going to talk when we come back, we're going to talk about hydrangeas because there's a million of them. And uh, we've been talking about hydrangeas for weeks and weeks, it seems like, but a lot of new dwarf ones. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Esterbrooks. I'm Tom Esterbrook, and we have been talking planting for pollinators, and I think we've we've kind of got 
you know, our hands around that. Now let's move on to some of those real showy things here in the uh, landscape. Uh, I just planted a beautiful quickfire hydrangea, one of my favorites. But, you know, now, uh, you know, there's all these dwarf varieties, right, Ray? There's even little quickfire, I know, I know. We just got some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quickfire is a great one because it's a long season that it gives you oh, in great. bloom. The, the quick is that it's the earliest one to bloom, and the fire is how it turns that nice deep red color. But there are a lot of dwarf ones because, again, uh, we understand that not everybody has few acres to plant. It could be small yards. And, again, the dwarf plants also make it easier to maintain, not as much pruning. Easy, you know, Some of them can be grown in large containers, things like that, so it gives you a lot more options. And let's face it, plants don't stop growing. You know, we give you a size, but that doesn't mean it's going to exceed those sizes. You know, if you have a 20-year-old plant, it could be 8 to 10 feet tall. But the fact of the matter is, we have to give you some generalities. And what I've seen of these new varieties is they do have a compact habit. They do have huge flower potential. They do say what the you know what they say it actually does do um though plants don't stop growing you you know you look at plants and it's not like we can say at four feet you're going to stop no it's not and it, it also depends a lot on your conditions and how much you you do baby it you know the more attention you give it the better it's going to grow because it's going to reward you with um with your efforts and pruning i mean you know if you don't ever prune a plant you know, obviously, you're going to be more susceptible to ice damage, snow damage. You're going to have a situation where the plant's going to get out of control. But with proper pruning, a lot of the varieties we're going to talk about here is a good general size. You know, and I always like to tell people, hydrangeas, paniculata hydrangeas, always you're going to get someplace between 12 and 24 inches of growth, no matter what you do, almost on any variety. But it's how you prune it that really makes a big difference. It does. Some of these newer varieties are may not give you as much growth as that mm. each year, um, but there are some that definitely flower as much or even better than the original varieties. I've been pretty impressed with the ones I've seen so far. You yeah. know, first off, Bobo. Bobo is, it looks like a, a vase of flowers stuck in the ground. I just like the name, you know, Bobo. <laughs> but it is. It, it is a great compact one, and it is a flower machine it's amazing because it's basically like a like you said it's a vase full of hydrangea flowers it's just a mound tight compact the flowers i think are as big as pg or any of those they're great big beautiful round balls but held up on a really sturdy stem and that's that's the difference that is the difference with this dwarf compared to some of the others it's definitely a stiffer stem and with i think without as much growth because it is a dwarf it d- doesn't tend to droop as much, you know, with the heavy rains we've had and things like that. It holds, still holds the flowers up. Now, all of these dwarf hydrangeas I'm excited about because we all have a fair number of gardens that are really full. And a lot of yards get to a certain point and they say, I have to take something out in order to put something new in. Well, now you don't have to take as much out is what I'm kind of getting at. Little Quick Fire is one that I'm really excited about. That's new this year. And because, obviously, I like quick fire, I like the characteristics of it. To have a dwarf form, you can put three of them in comparative to putting one big one if you want. You that, know, it, it, it's, you, it gives you those options within a small space. It gives you the options, and also it's giving you, you know, people put three of the larger variety in 
because they want something instant, but then in a few years, it's so overcrowded that the plants don't do as well. Mm-hmm. So by planting three of the dwarf ones, you're getting just as much of the instant effect, and they don't overcrowd themselves in a few years. It's it's really, I think, the wave of the future on a lot of these hydrangeas. We're never going to get rid of the big growers, because we do have spots we want really big plants. Generally, what are we talking on sizes of these dwarf varieties? A lot of the dwarf varieties are within the four to six foot range, Mm -hmm. uh, both in height and spread, typically. Um, Given pruning. Given pruning. Uh, Even with some of them, they they tend to top out, you know, not as big as the the original species. Absolutely. Uh, But again, if you have a fence row or if you want to hide the the neighbor's deck in the summer, you go with the older and taller varieties, even those – there are some new ones out that give you a little better flower color or flower form or, like you said, the stiffer stems. So, like, Limelight has been that one that's sort of taken over for the original PG with a little heavier stem, and now you have Little Lime. Mm, I love that plant. It's a great plant. It gives you a little different color when it first comes out, that limey green, and then going to white. Uh, so it is a, a nice addition for the lime. And I found here in Maine that... Limelight took a, a, a while to really catch on. You know, we were still in the old-fashioned, you know, and we still have people coming in looking for PG all the time. But Limelight, the habit to me is is even more, and above and beyond the color of the flower, the habit of some of these plants really makes a big difference. It does. They're, they're a little more contained. Uh, the original PG, you let it go, and it will die out a little bit on the bottom if it gets crowded out. You know, becomes more of a, even if you haven't planted it as a tree, it looks almost like a tree form Mm -hmm. or it just seems to lose some of its shape. Limelight tends to to hold the shape a little better. Yeah, I mean, like anything, I mean, we had some really heavy rains this week. You get those big old flowers up there and we get heavy wind and rain like we had this week. Almost any of them can flop. I can report my quick fire that I put in the ground hasn't moved a bit. Through all that heavy rain, it is still upright. The flowers look great, haven't been beaten up, really held up very well. Um, you know, so some of these new varieties just hold up a little bit better because of that that stature. They hold up, and also they may if they droop a little bit, the heavier stem they recover once they do dry out a little bit. Some of the older varieties, you bend them far enough with that heavy rain. Even once they dry out, they never really bounce back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Alec from Bailey Nurseries on, and we were talking about Bloomstruck. I want to get your take from a grower's standpoint, how you th- like that and how it performs, because, you know, we're starting to piece together. This seems to be a pretty good plant. Um, you obviously have had it in production longer than we consumers have had in the garden, Tell me a little bit about how it's budding up, how, you know, some of the positives you've seen, because I really think there's a lot of positives there. There is a lot of positives, especially as you get into the colder regions. Um, I know living in southern Maine, I never had a problem with Endless Summer, the original, but I did hear a lot that they couldn't get it to bloom in the, the colder regions. The ones we have in production, they're like Twist and Shout, and they're just, again, a, a flower maker. Uh, they're budding up heavy, and they add the the red stem in there for a little different color. Uh, heavier leaf, so they hold up even in the sun. The flower color can switch from pink to to bluish 
with the pH levels. Mm-hmm. It definitely is going to be better for the colder region because it does bloom quicker on new growth. So even if it dies back, you'll still have a, a longer bloom period through the summer with it. Well, a couple other hydrangeas I really kind of have been quite impressed with is Tough Stuff and Tiny Tough Stuff. And we haven't talked a lot on the radio show about those two. Serrata types. Now, different than Macrophylla, I've found Serrata types to be even hardier. You know, tell me a little bit about those because those seem to be exciting to me. They are. They definitely they haven't had as much play in the, the media as the Macrophyllas. But for the, the north region, they are a hardier plant. They're typically more of the, the mountain-type hydrangea. Not as big a ball flower, but more of a lace-cap-type yeah, flower. Cap. Yeah. But they are tough. They, they'll withstand a lot of situations, whether it's um, colder hillside areas. And they have as good a color, if not better, than some of the macrophyllas. Yeah, I, you know, for years we were selling uh, bluebird you know, as a serrata type. And I've got to tell you, I sold two to my uh, some friends in my parents' neighborhood. And they're four to five feet tall right now. They leaf out to the tip every single year, and they are covered with blue flowers every year. Just a huge statement. They just don't really get the reblooming factor. It's one big show, and then they're done. It's one big show. You might get a few blooms here or there yeah. a little later on, but... It is that one big show, but it it is a show. And oh, it's beautiful! It, it makes a big statement, and tiny tough stuff again gets us back to these these dwarf. If you don't have that big area, smaller yards uh, around the around the foundation or around the patio where you want a little more contained, tiny tough stuff fits the bill, and it they handle shade a little better also. So it, it's a it's a good all around plant for the the gardener. Well, there's just a lot of hydrangeas, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's up to a million and one now. Yeah, okay. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Clearance sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen at the end of the growing season. But how about one in the middle of it? Estabrooks and Scarborough is closing for the season on Sunday, July 27th, and all in-stock items are now 40% off. With tons of plants at the height of their summer beauty, it's a great time to score a great deal. To learn more, visit Estabrooks and Scarborough or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Your garden was the talk of the neighborhood in May, but how does it look now? All it takes is a few fresh plants to return it to its springtime splendor. Even the hardiest plants can be battered down by rain and heat. Restore your garden with gorgeous annuals at the height of their beauty from Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, or Kennebunk. All annuals, herbs, and flowering tropicals are now 30% off. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks, and we're talking with Ray DeFeo of Pride's Corner Farm, and we've been talking hydrangeas, planting for pollinators, all these different things, a lot of plants, obviously. One showstopper that's always in my yard, and I talked about at the beginning of the show, perennial hibiscus. You know, it's kind of one of those plants that, unfortunately, we don't have them really in the garden center early in the season, you know, and their show is just starting to happen. 
There is. Even the in the garden. I mean, mine didn't start coming out till about three weeks ago. Yeah, my, mine were really late this year. You know, I always think, oh, they're dead. You know, and then boom, there they are. Yeah, and when they're in flower, everybody thinks they're a tropical, that they can't believe it's a, a hardy plant for this area because the flower is so large and so showy. And now a lot of the newer varieties have that showy leaf color. You can get all different colors of maroon or mixed green and maroon in the leaf that really helps show it off. And it's not just the, the bright red. You got pink, you have white, you have uh, cranberry colors, and you have swirl, you know, mixed colors. And so. there's dwarf ones. There's big growers, right? Yep. There's the Luna series, which stays a little more compact, and the, the flower's not quite as large. And then there's the ones that can get six, eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the one thing I find is, you know, you got that dinner plate kind of size. You know, you think of like dinner plate dahlias. These hibiscus flowers are that big. They're beautiful. I have cranberry crush in my in my yard. I have three of them. You know, darker foliage, beautiful wine, dark red flower, and they basically when they start blooming in August, they bloom till frost. They will. They'll. They like I said. They, they take a lot of time to get going. That's pretty much why garden centers don't have them in the spring when mm-hmm. they're the busiest because they just don't. They're a pot of dirt. They take so long to come out of the dormancy, and really show that this is really the season when they start showing something. So visit the garden centers and and find these hibiscus there because they will they will be a showstopper. They'll they'll definitely be a, the talk of your garden. I I really like the dark leaves too. They add a a bit of color and texture to the garden throughout the whole summer that a lot of other plants you can't get in in a sun to part sun. Mine are in part sun, which is perfect. They don't wilt as much. Right, they don't wilt as much. And again, that that leaf color is you know a good all around all season color. You can plant it up against the house. You can plant it in amongst the green of your shrubbery and those will really show up just when they're in leaf before the the blooms open up so in the luna series we have what pink white swirl and red and red yeah and then proven winners has uh cranberry crush right right and berry licious is it berry licious there's there's so many summer storm there you go yeah summer storm nice plant yeah there uh there's again you can match your taste whether it's green leaf red leaf Red, pink, swirl colors, uh, the deep cranberry color like you mentioned, they really do show off uh, in the fall garden. I have found, folks, if you can put these in a little moister soil, they do much better than dry, sandy soil. Now, if you have dry, sandy soil, you can do them. You just really have to be diligent about water. Water and mix the, this is the time you'd want to mix the good compost in when you're planting it. So it has, the roots have something to hold on to and soak up that moisture. Just a stunning, you know, array of plants. We just got a bunch in, you know, to choose from. So you have really good options in the garden center right now. And of course, we continue to order from you all the time, aren't we? You sure are. <laughs> and we we like that, Tom. You know, a lot of new plants coming for next year. We're really not going to talk about those today because there's just a lot of things that we just don't know how they're going to quite perform yet. But we'll be having Ray back to talk about those maybe a little more in the winter. You know, those dog days of winter. We don't want to think about those yet. We don't want to think about those, especially after the last one. And last but not least, you guys are one of our top suppliers for sure. 
if not our top supplier. You are a top supplier. What am I talking about? Now, talk about how you have color right through the whole fall, how you keep supplying us with fresh plants. This is not just an early spring purchasing. Summer is the time to plant still in fall. So fall is a great time to plant. Uh, it's, you know, the plants can do better. As the temperature starts going down, the soil's still warm, so the plants have a lot of time to set their roots. We work on pruning and potting timing schedules so that we can, you know, keep color throughout the year. Uh, so you have color in your garden center and color in your garden, and we can teach you how to do it in your garden, too, with a little bit of pruning, a little bit of cutting back. You can keep color going right up until frost. And that's the key to gardening, folks, having fun with it. That's why we're doing the show. Ray DeFeo, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tom. A lot of the 2015 plants are coming online now. You know, folks like Ray and Pride's Corner, a lot of their plants are finishing off. They're getting ready. They're rooted out. A lot of selection is coming back on availabilities now. So contact your local garden center. Start talking about the needs you need for your garden list late summer and fall. Start planning those new gardens. I'm headed to a customer's house to talk plants and planting for fall right now. Get out there. Enjoy your garden. Come visit me at the Clam Festival. Come on down to the Yarmouth store. Check out the sale in Scarborough. We're going to see you next week. I hope you enjoy your garden. Have a great day. Thank you.